Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And so, Chris, where are we headed today in this podcast? So we are uh, wrapping up a study called uh, Being Confident in the Face of Hard Questions. And we have one of our writers with us today, and uh, we're delighted to, to to take time to talk about this apologetic study uh, to help people deal with really complex issues. the The topic of of today is um, the question: Won't all people ultimately go to heaven? Uh, so it ha- we're dealing with universalism, and uh, looking forward to this conversation. And joining us for this conversation is Dr. Freddie Davis. Uh, Freddie was with us a few weeks ago, but Freddie uh, wrote the personal study guide text uh, for this very apologetic-oriented study. Freddie, thank you for being with us for this podcast. Well, thank you. Um, My pleasure to be with you today. And if you were with us for the earlier podcast, you know that Freddie has a ministry called Market Faith Ministries, and that apologetics and worldview issues are, this is in his wheelhouse. This is where his passion is. And Freddie, you have had a book that has recently come out called Shattering the Truth Mirage. Tell us t- tell us briefly about this book. Well, Shattering the Truth Mirage is uh, really a book uh, about missions and evangelism, or it's, uh, it's a, a help for people that are interested in doing missions and evangelism. Uh, one of the, the, the things that really has been traditional among Southern Baptists is the the emphasis on evangelism. But in in past times in American society, we haven't really had to, to do anything but just share the gospel message itself. You know, the, uh, so many different um, uh, gospel presentations that are out there. Uh, I remember when I was uh, first became a Christian and I was uh, taught how to share the gospel, we would use the four spiritual laws. And so you'd start out, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And of course, the different other um, evangelism methodologies usually have some kind of questions, you know, how do you know you're going to heaven or, you know, different kinds of questions to, uh, to, to get people into a gospel presentation. And that was never a problem up until, you know, just the last maybe 20 or 30 years, because uh, when you would say things like that, you'd ask questions like that, people immediately knew that you were talking about the God of the Bible, and and they at least had some background in understanding, you know, maybe they went to, to church as a child, or they went to Bible school in the summers, or uh, or their families at least were nominally Christian at the very least, uh, but uh, but you could you could go into a gospel presentation and people would immediately know what you were talking about. And uh, as I was sharing uh, last time, uh, that's really not uh, not so much the world that we live in today. I mean, obviously, when you come across people that uh, that is their background, then you can start there, and it's no problem at all. But now there's such a massive number of people who uh, either are atheists or they adhere to some other religion, and we have to have a different approach. You can't start with with Jesus. You have to start with Genesis. 
and uh, who is God or what, you know, does God actually exist? And you have to start in a different place. And that is uh, what the worldview skills are all about. And so uh, I, our new book, uh, Shattering the Truth Mirage, is how uh, do you share the gospel across those worldview barriers? And so we talk about the different um, different worldview categories. Uh, we, we've broken it down into four four different worldview categories in every religion, cult, and philosophy that exists in the world is an expression of one of those four. And so if you understand the worldview foundation, then you know where to start in explaining to people what they need to know to be able to hear the gospel message ultimately and uh, and make a decision based on it. So yeah, that uh, Shattering the Truth Mirage uh, is just recently out. Uh, hot off the press, and uh, it's available uh, uh, through our Market Faith Ministries website at www.marketfaith.org, uh, obviously on Amazon, and uh, my publisher, Leadership Books, uh, also has a website where they're uh, available, and so uh, that's uh, that's the book, and that's, uh, that's where we are at this point, we're real excited about uh, it being released. Freddie, what we're going to be doing with this session is we're going to be dealing with a worldview issue uh, about will all people go to heaven? And of course, a lot of people think, well, yes, it doesn't matter what your worldview is because all people will go to heaven. Well, we want to counter that by looking at what the scripture says. One of those um, approaches that you mentioned earlier, uh, questions that... Um, to engage in a gospel conversation, uh, the faith uh, approach several years ago asked the question, uh, in your opinion, uh, what does it take for a person to go to heaven? What does a person have to do to get go to heaven? And um, we're seeing statistics that are consistent in, in our culture that over 50% of people respond by saying, oh, if you're a good person or if you do good things, uh, you'll get to heaven. And, and so that is, is a, an answer uh, that we encounter a lot in the culture that we live in. Uh, I'm sure that that comes into play in your conversations from a worldview perspective. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, and you, you can go back to the, uh, to the question that Jesus asked, you know, well, uh, what, what constitutes good? And uh, of course, every worldview has their way of answering that question. Uh, and but there's only one belief out there that gives us the uh, an objectively true uh, answer to the question. And of course, you know it's through Jesus Christ. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that is a very very common way that uh, that people think about um, about. Uh, you know what it what it is what it takes to get to go to heaven. That uh, you know I'm a good person. I've never committed you know murder or crimes or you know serious crimes or anything like that. And they think that uh, you know that some kind of works is what it's going to uh, take for them to get to heaven. That God's going to be pleased with that and He's going to accept it. We're going to be in Matthew seven, but uh, let's just get the context. What's happening in Matthew five, six, and seven? So this is the Sermon on the Mount, and that's what we find in, in uh, Matthews 5 through 7, where Jesus is uh, teaching some very 
uh, concrete specific things about um, a different way, a different kingdom. And so um, when we get to chapter seven, we're at the end of this sermon and Jesus addresses the very issue that we're talking about today. Yes. So this is what he says in Matthew seven, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So let me ask, why is the gate narrow? You know, that's a very sobering um, passage of Scripture there to me, because what it says to me is that the the vast majority of people in the world are not going to go to heaven. And boy, that ought to be, you know, some kind of motivation for us to, uh, to think about how, how we ought to be uh, acting as uh, faithful witnesses to the gospel. But, um, uh, but essentially what, um, what Jesus is saying is that, uh, that, it's not just anybody goes. It's not just uh, you know people that uh, everybody that thinks that they're going to go to heaven is going to go to heaven. That there really is uh, uh, a way that that uh, allows a person to go, and if people don't get those who don't get on board, uh, are not. Yeah, and, and I know society, our culture screams against this. This is one thing for those who don't like Christians, they don't like Jesus. You're trying to be so exclusive. And when you read this, it does sound well, it does sound exclusive, but it's not. Yes, there is a narrow gate, but it's not exclusive because anybody is welcome to go through that gate. But we have to come in the way that God calls us to come in. All are invited. But as he says, few find it. It's interesting uh, that this broad way uh, has made its way into our culture. Most cities have a road called Broadway, and they're always extremely wide. <laughs> it just really follows with, with the teaching of Jesus in this passage. So why is it that people prefer to take that wide road? I think it's easy. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because it is easy. It's uh, it doesn't require anything of anybody. Uh, they don't have to discipline their lives. They don't have to uh, conform to any uh, any kind of uh, moral standards. Uh, it's just easy. They can they can be who they want to be, do what they want to do, and and uh, just believe that God's going to be okay with it. Jesus is pretty blunt on this: that not all people are going to go to heaven. But at the same time, not all who claim to speak for God speak God's truth. This is what he says in verse 15. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. So are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? But in the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. You will recognize them by their fruit. I want, uh, Freddie, for you to take a minute to talk about 
some of the different kinds of universalist that you mentioned um, in the in the text of the personal study guide. Uh, universalism is the idea that everybody goes to heaven. Um, and you you establish some categories of of different types of universalist. Um, so take a moment to talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, the, it, it is uh, interesting that uh, that there are these different categories. Uh, first of all, you there there are groups that are universalist that uh, that have nothing to do with um, uh, you know Christ, Christianity uh, whatsoever. There, uh, I mentioned the Church of Christ scientists and, and unity. Um, uh, they they just believe that um, that everybody's going to heaven, but they don't do it based on biblical teachings. They they do it based on uh, the teachings of uh, of another person or uh, another uh, prophet. Uh, then there's there are uh, in in the past there was a universalist church, and there was also uh, a Unitarian church and. Uh, the the universalists just you know that was just a part of their theology that uh, that everybody goes to heaven. Uh, the both of the both the Unitarians and the Universalists were extremely you know on the liberal side of theology, and both of them were very small, and they ultimately kind of joined together. And so, uh, and when they did, they pretty much threw out any kind of Christian ideas. So there's there's really not so much a, a universalist church anymore, but uh, but there used to be that denomination. Um, and but then there's a, a number of different uh, uh, kinds of, of universalists that do you know claim Christianity as their as their background. Uh, there are just some that are just individuals and like they, they set up websites and they uh, uh, and they just promote their universalism, on kind of on a personal level through their websites, and uh, then there's there's people that that don't really talk about it, but they just they just kind of believe that way, and so they're kind of background folks. And uh, if you run into them, then you're not going to know that they're universalists unless somehow you engage a conversation with them because they're not going to be basically talking about it. Um, uh, there there are. There are some folks that that like actively promote universalism. Uh, Jehovah's Witness is a, a, a universalist um, uh, type of of, uh, of theology, and well, they're they're Unitarian uh, actually, but uh, uh, but but there are people from some of these uh, uh, these outside groups that that they just want to promote universalism and so they go around and they teach and and uh and they promote their universalism you know just in different ways um and so really you, you it's hard to 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 find these people a lot of times unless you're really looking for them uh, or unless somehow you end up getting in a conversation with somebody and then uh, recognize that they are uh, are talking about it, or that they're they're promoting that in their own life, or they're believing that in their own life. So uh, it's it's kind of a uh, it's not something that's that's so much uh, you find them as a church, but there are just a lot of folks that are out there that are that have that belief. 
Freddie, I was fascinated with some statistics you shared. You referred to a Gallup poll that found that 81% of Americans uh, believe in God. Okay, that's good, 81%. Pew Research found that 58% of people believe in hell. But you were pointing out if 81% believe in God and only 58% believe in hell, well, there's a gap of 23% of people they believe in God and no hell, and therefore they probably they, they believe all people get to go to heaven. Uh, 23%. I thought that was a very interesting conclusion you came to. Yeah, this kind of default universalist. But but honestly, for the most part, those people themselves don't really think about it so much. I mean, that's just that's just their understanding of reality. And so they don't, they don't, it doesn't um. Uh, it doesn't agitate them. That doesn't bother them. They just, that's just what they believe. And they think that's the way things are. We asked the question, uh, what, what makes a false teacher um, tough to spot? Or what makes false teaching uh, tough to spot? Which gets at the passage that says wolves and uh, sheep's clothing, and you'll know them by their fruits. So uh, based on what you have just described as far as universalists, they're hard. You said they're hard to find. They're hard. It's hard to know. What makes it so difficult? Mostly because the the topic of universalism typically isn't dealt with in an overt way theologically. Almost, I mean, there's hardly anywhere where you find somebody that's that's overtly dealing with it. I mean, you know, you've got some individuals here and there and maybe some small groups here and there, but they're, they're, they're just not out front. And so it, it's, it's difficult to, to, to see them overtly un unless somehow you end up getting into a conversation on the topic. Uh, you know, I, I've uh, been to a couple of different funerals this, uh, this, you know, the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's it's amazing to me to hear people talk, you know, at funerals or uh, often uh, times to even, even pastors talking about uh, how, you know, we're going to see our loved ones in heaven. And, uh, and it never gets specific about which loved ones, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to offend anybody at a funeral, right? And so, uh, so you've got all this kind of underlying belief that you're going to see your loved ones in heaven, uh, uh, and even if the pastor is doing a real strong evangelistic focus in the sermon, you still got the people that in their own minds, you know, well, you know, that's just going over my head. That's just going past me because that doesn't fit my understanding of reality. And they're just silently sitting there, still believing that they're going to see their lost relatives, parents, and siblings, and friends in heaven. Yet the reality of what Jesus teaches is that only those who trust and obey God will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's clearly what he teaches. If you go back to Matthew 7, he says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, 
do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. It's a scary passage, isn't it? Yes, but the emphasis on trust and obedience is the key for us. Yeah, and I think it goes back to something we uh, we mentioned back, you know, with those very first verses about the uh, the narrow road and the and gate and how whether we like to think about it or not, I think the vast majority of people in the world are not going to be in heaven. And so uh, I think this these verses here in, in uh, 21 through 23 that you just read uh, kind of bring that back to the forefront that uh, just because a person says, I'm a Christian or a person says, you know, I go to church or uh, even if even saying I believe in God uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they believe in God the way that he's revealed himself in Scripture. And it's as we saw earlier, talking about the false teachers and stuff, it's, you're going to know them by their fruit. That it's one thing to say, yeah, I trust Jesus. It's another thing for that trust to be evident in the way we live our life, following Christ, being obedient to what he calls us to do. And that's Jesus' whole point here. Not everyone will go, only the, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So yes, heaven is exclusive, but that offer is open to all people. What a lot of um, the people that, you know, that harp on Christians about, you know, Christianity being so exclusive, they don't realize that their beliefs are exclusive as well. And the, every belief system in existence is exclusive. The, the question is, which one is true? And this is where we get down to uh, the, you know, what, what Scripture saying the as being actually uh, true, as being uh, what does actually reflect the way that reality is structured. God really does exist. God really... Uh, has revealed himself to us uh, as human beings, and he exists the way that he has revealed himself in Scripture, which provides for the the notion that, yeah, he can uh, cause things to happen that go against the, the natural laws of the universe. Miracles are possible, uh, and, and the, the transformation that happens in a person's life is not a physical transformation. It's a spiritual transformation uh, based on the actual existence of a spiritual reality. Next week, we're going to be talking about hell specifically, um, a topic that a lot of Christians um, aren't always comfortable with. And it seems like a lot of people who hold universalist views do so because they don't want to talk about that reality and that possibility um, that there is a place of eternal separation from God um, with eternal punishment. So when you talk about a funeral setting, you know, we, you hear that, you know, oh, they've gone to a better place because we don't want to talk about the, the possible alternative there, right? God's kingdom is reserved for those who obediently follow him. That is what we want people to understand. Let me, uh, teachers, let me just uh, talk to you just for a moment. Uh, as you're with your group this week, let me encourage you, do not assume everybody in your group is a Christian. 
uh, are that they have made a full-on commitment to Christ. Uh, because a relationship with Christ is the only way to heaven, talk to them about that. Give them an opportunity to pray right there and make a commitment to trust and obey and follow Christ. Uh, you can even point them to the, their personal study guide or their daily discipleship guide. There's right on the inside front cover. There's information for them on how to how to uh, how to become a believer. But don't make the assumption that all of them are. Uh, give them the opportunity to make that decision today. Chris and Freddie, thank you for a really good conversation today about heaven. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And we hope all of you have a great Bible study. We look forward to being with you next week.